Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. So, Mr. Davis, let's do ourselves tech gumbo today. Sounds great. Start off with something that is near and dear to my heart, and it's kind of disappointing, but I get it. It looks like AM radio is being pulled out of cars, specifically electric cars. Yeah, this is a Ford, BMW, Volkswagen, Tesla, and others are all going to start removing AM radios from their new vehicles. Uh, a lot of them are pulling it from the electric vehicles, but Ford has come out and said that they're going to remove the AM radio from all of its new vehicles, electric or gas-powered. So apparently the AM radio interferes with the electric vehicles because of a sound interference in that the AM stations give off. And so it does something wonky inside these, these EVs. And so the easiest thing to do is to get rid of the AM radio. Yeah, and my guess is that also the reason that Ford is pulling this from their gas-powered cars as well is that they have data showing that the vast majority of people aren't listening to AM radio. That's if you want to listen to something on the radio, you're likely listening to it on the FM, like you're listening to us on Talk FM, or if you're listening to us via streaming, it's on the internet. And that is where the audio entertainment is today, is either it's on the FM dial or it's via the internet. And that if there's something that you really want to listen to on AM radio, you can probably find it on the internet or on the FM dial. Somebody old like me, this this kind of goes back. I remember listening to KMRC AM radio in Morgan City when I was a kid listening to music or even listening to WWL 870 AM in New Orleans, listening to the New Orleans Saints games. And just to have that taken away is is just kind of it's a nostalgia thing for me i mean it yes can i go to the internet and stream these places now yes can i get all the information that i need or would want from a dozen sources not am radio yes 
but it's just the nostalgia of it for me. Oh, I very much agree. This is a, a cultural touchstone that the radio and the car are joined in American history over the past hundred years, and that you know this is very much a change. This is a shift, and it we should think about it that way. That this is something different going forwards. But yeah, that the argument that it should remain is hard. That I mean, I guess is that the reason that it's still there in a lot of other cars that there's not really good motivation to take it out, but it's it's probably cheap, it's small. It's a very proven technology. And so these car manufacturers are not going to save 10 cents by taking that AM radio out. They're not going to save a one square inch of space by not having that AM radio there. But I get it with everything moving towards EV, with fewer and fewer people listening to AM, the more and more people are probably listening to FM. And we'll do some more research. We'll, there's a study by Edison Research, and we'll, we'll do a deeper dive, find out what's, what's really inside this study that's leading these auto manufacturers to take the AM out. Yeah, that, it was a cool study that looked at where do Americans get their uh, audio entertainment from. And so it was part of what was fueling the research behind the story. And so we want, we want to do a further dive into it in the future. Moving along, speaking of advancing in the way you consume things, YouTube is going to be doing the NFL Sunday ticket going forward, and they've got some changes coming. This is fascinating to me, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Previously, DirecTV had owned the NFL Sunday ticket, and so you had to go, you had to have the dish, you had to have their hardware, you had to be on their platform, but... Everyone has access to YouTube. You know, if you have the internet, you have YouTube. And so that's my guess is the NFL is seeing that. And also, if you're someone under the age of 40, chances are you don't have a dish because you don't have cable. But you spend a lot of time watching YouTube. And so if I could say, all right, well, you know, I'm already on the internet. I already have a YouTube app on my smart TV. Let me unlock the Sunday ticket through that. That's what the NFL is seeing here, and that, that makes a lot of sense. That tracks for me. The fact that YouTube's going to get a lot of their YouTubers to go sit on the sidelines, the Dude Perfect crew is one, one group in particular that's going to be at a bunch of the games, and they're going to be giving their commentary. They're going to be you know giving their, their humor and, and making the game more interesting to a younger crowd, not to somebody like me, and that's just going to be a big change in the way that people consume the NFL, which is by far the biggest, most watched thing out there. Here we go. Here's another way to grab us another slice of that pie. I would be really interested to see how does the broadcast look. You know, maybe you have multiple different versions of the broadcast. Maybe you have your standard, more button-up NFL crew that, you know, they, they sit in the booth and they hold their microphones and they talk very seriously. And then on the side, you have some goof-offs who are laughing and joking. You know, the with some of the college football national championships, you've seen ESPN experiment with a lot of these different styles. You oh, had the cast. Yeah, you had the, you know, the two homers. One is for one team, one's the other team. They sit there and they go back and forth and... Or you'll have the coaches sitting around, they're talking about it, and they're, oh, this player ran this scheme here. And so I think there's definitely space to have 
these different types of broadcasts available, these different crews who are you know, trying to go after different audiences. And, and I think also younger generations might be interested in something other than the traditional Al Michaels and whoever's sitting next to him these days. I see what the NFL is seeing. The biggest difference here is that they're also raising the prices on it. So you're right. The price is going up. This is not going to be an inexpensive thing. If you want the Sunday ticket, it's going to be $349 per season for the YouTube base package. And hey, if you get out there and sign up before June 6th, YouTube will take $100 off for you. So interestingly, though, this will that $350 package will also include the major broadcasts and cable networks, which YouTube currently charges $72 a month for. So YouTube is creating a larger bundle here. They're really trying to grow their YouTube TV brand, and this is one of their going to crown jewels in this package. Now, there are some skeptics out there that they just don't think that the math is going to add up and that... There's not as as many people who are going to buy into this YouTube package as the folks from Google seem to think. But with the way the viewership of the NFL is growing, it's hard to doubt anything they're doing because everything they touch just turns to gold. I agree. I think I would not be surprised if in one to three years we do see a slight downturn in viewership on this platform. As my generation continues to get older and continues to have more disposable income, continues to become a larger share of the dominant audience, they're more technologically native, you have a smart TV which has YouTube built into it, this feels like a much more natural place to get your content from as opposed to that dish. Wow, I hadn't even thought about that. If you've already got YouTube TV and that's where you've been watching the Fox or the CBS, NBC, ABC broadcast of the NFL, and now you're just adding on to the the YouTube package, you're already there. You're on that platform. This is not that big of a reach now. Well, that's how I watch a lot of the college football on the smart TV. I have a Fox app. I have a CBS app. I have an ABC app. I have an ESPN app. And I just cycle through between those apps on the smart TV that this is the same thing. That's okay. Now we'll just cycle through the YouTube app on the smart TV as opposed to plugging in a physical cable to or, you know, plugging in a physical dish. I have the Internet. The, the Internet is the source of all of my content. And that's. This is very much what the NFL is thinking, that as we move forward in the future, it will only become more and more the dominant source of content. Well, there's one YouTuber out there that you're probably not going to get a chance to see very much of in the very near future. Why is that? Well, because this guy decided he was going to pull some stunt and crash his airplane into the mountain. And the FAA has laws that say you can't do that. And then when you lie to the FAA and say, oh, no, it was purely an accident. It was not a YouTube stunt. The FAA really, really frowns upon that. Yeah, it turns out lying to the federal government is a bad idea. Just across the board, piece of life advice for all you listeners out there. If you've done something illegal, the cover up is always going to get you in more trouble than the crime because they can charge you with the original crime, and then they can add the charges on top of that. And that is exactly what we're seeing here. 
This guy is facing up to 20 years in prison. The YouTube videos out there, if you want to go see it, it, you know, this guy is flying this little single engine plane out over the mountains in Southern California. And he jumps out of the plane. Oh, you know, I'm engine trouble. He's calling the tower controls that's going down. I'm going to I have to bail out. And he jumps out. Oh, by the way, there are GoPro cameras strapped to the wing, to the tail. He's got a GoPro camera on his head. He's watching this plane go all the way into the mountain. And, you know, he comes down on his parachute and he finds his cameras. Oh, fortunately, he finds his cameras and he makes a real cool video out of it. And he's gotten a lot of views out of it. And maybe he can use some of that money in prison. The, the pay for his legal defense here. This feels like a pretty open and shut case because he admitted to all of it at this point in time. But this was, you know, if he had just sat there ahead of time and maybe talked to the FAA and asked for a plan, asked for some guidance, then maybe he might have been able to do it in such a way that he ends up continuing to use all these views. But yeah, this was uh, this was a big mistake here that he's going to pay for for a very long time. Now, does he get the whole 20 years? Probably not, but he's not going to walk away with just a suspended sentence. I mean, the FAA has to make some kind of an example out of this guy or every YouTuber in, in is just going to go start doing anything stupid. They, this guy has to do some time. And I think the there's two layers here. There's one, the jumping out of the plane and crashing it, which is illegal in its own right. But it's the lying to the federal agency. That's what they're getting him on currently is the obstruction charges. And so, yeah, this is this guy is, is red meat. And you have to think that they are just going after him for this. Speaking of the government going after something, Facebook is once again in trouble for violating kids' privacy. And the FTC has really taken a strong stance this time. I am I am heartened by this response from the FTC because the what's going on here is that the Facebook heads uh, Facebook and Meta had said that specifically after 2020 they were going to be much better about the laws re- uh, regarding data privacy of children. These are laws passed by Congress in order to really protect the use of this country, how you could collect data on them, what you could do with that data. And Facebook just continue to walk right through all of these laws like they've done for their entire existence. And so the FTC has said that they're going to implement two pretty major policies here. The first one is banning the social media company from monetizing the data from users under the age of 18, which means ads served to any teenager cannot be monetized which teenagers make up a large portion of Instagram's user base. And the other one is that any new product or service built by Meta must be vetted and fully comply with the FTC's requirements on privacy before it can be launched. This is a massive blow to Meta. If the FTC says you can't monetize anything for anyone under 18, all the teenagers on instagram all of that ad revenue just completely goes away i mean that's a massive hole in the side of the of the the aircraft carrier not that it's going to sink the boat it's going they're taking on water if they lose that kind of revenue oh i agree that instagram is the young people app that meta owns you know facebook is still your 
what your parents and grandparents are on, but Instagram is where the young people are. And so Facebook needs them and they need that revenue stream and need to be able to retain those audiences in order to continue to exist in the long term. And so not being able to monetize it is a big deal. And it also is the FTC saying, look, someone needs to do something about consumer data privacy. That's we're not just going to sit here and have these giant tech companies roll over us anymore. We have a legislative authority. We have the powers of the government at our disposal. We're going to use them. And so Facebook has said that they're going to fight this in court, that they're going to, they think that this is a political stunt, that blah, 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 it's totally unprecedented. It's it's going to be kicked around for a while in the legal system, but I I support this. We need to make sure that these tech companies get treated like all the rest of the companies in which you cannot exploit children. That's not controversial, but they've been able to get away with it so far because of their new industry. It's hard to regulate. They're now a mature industry, and we're going to treat them like a mature industry. The FTC said Meta was in violation of the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. And despite saying that we were not using children's information or the Messenger Kids program to to do anything like that, well, it turns out looks like they were. And Meta saying, no, we didn't. And the FTC is saying, yes, you did. So it's it's in that kind of a, a, a messy little spat right now that's going to sh- show up in court. Well, the thing is, is that it's not exactly a secret, though. This Messenger Kids product was supposed to be a secure platform wherever children could only contact pre-approved people. But... Turns out through group chats and group texts, children could still contact unapproved people. And Facebook actually knew about this problem in 2019, describing it as a design flaw. So this wasn't just a bug. This was the fundamental product itself didn't do what they intended it to do. And so that's why the FTC is going after Facebook for this, saying this is something that you built to be secure for children and you couldn't make it secure for children, therefore we don't trust you. And we're not gonna trust you again for a long time until in the future you can prove that you've restored your good integrity, but we're a long way away from that. The last story we wanted to get to is Apple is getting into the mixed reality headset game. This one is baffling to me. This is truly baffling because a number of reasons. The first one is that this device is expected to cost $3,000. Whenever you just compare it against its peer, what used to be the Oculus headset, it's now the Meta headset, that's $1,000. So your Apple product is triple the price coming out the box. And then whenever you can think about the fact that the Oculus product is mature. It's been around for 10 years. It's supported a lot of different third-party and first-party apps. You know, it's probably just a better owner experience. Whereas what is the piece of software that you're going to put on this Apple headset? I don't know. And another problem is it's going to require a separate battery pack that you're going to have to unsnap and snap back in as opposed to the Oculus or the Meta when you just plug in to recharge. So you're going to have these clunky little snap-on batteries 
that are not going to work. You're going to lose a bunch of them over time. Does Apple have a history of beating the, the market when they released the iPod and, and the smartphones and the Apple Watches and everybody said it'll never work and, and it did? Well, that's fine because all of those products have something that people want to see. If you weren't paying attention a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how so many of these companies are closing down their metaverse product line. When Disney and Microsoft are shutting those things down, other companies are, the virtual reality space is not where money is going to be made. Who's going to go drop $3,000? And and Apple's thinking that they're going to sell two hundred to 300,000 of them this year alone. That estimate is absolutely insane to me. And I think you're right that whenever you compare, okay, the Apple iMac laptops, one of the higher quality ones is in that same, you know, $3,000 range. So, but if I'm going to buy that iMac laptop that's $3,000, that's a very solid piece of hardware that's going to last me a long time. And it's very well supported with Apple software. That's why people continue to buy Apple hardware is that the Apple software on them is very good. Those are why people spend the extra money on the hardware is because you get all those other features. But what is the thing that Apple's going to put on this? Why am I going to buy the Apple headset as opposed to the Facebook headset? I don't know. There's well, it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's an easy answer. It's going to have the Apple logo. And I, I, that's the only answer because there's I'm skeptical that a piece of software exists that could do that, that that could be as revolutionary as all the the apps on the app store that whenever they came out or, or, you know, the things that the iOS does very well, the iCloud and all those things that are Apple specific that make sense on those other pieces of hardware. I just don't think that you have that yet. And so there's no reason to go out and buy this $3,000 toy, essentially. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.